that I just have to be like alone with my thoughts. Yeah, Sam. That's terrifying. No, thank you. Welcome to the second best show. My name is Ori Aviv, and I'm joined by my co-host Sam Cohen. Hey, and Bobby Boats. Yo. Today we'll be talking second best '90s electronica album as part of our love letter series to things we can't live without. It's time to drop E on the beaches of Ibiza. It's the second best show. I have, I think, what essentially amounts to be an old person question for you guys. Mm -hmm. You came to the right place. Uh, Okay, good. I've been seeing teenagers sporting um, like one um, AirPod, like walking around with like just like the one AirPod in the ear thing. Mm -hmm. Is okay, question. Well, yeah. What is like? I know that's a, obviously it's a trend, right? Like it's it's not. I do that. Do you? Yeah. And, and when did you start doing that? Yeah. Well, for me, it's a. I want to hear what's happening around me. And I even with the like whatever that mode that like pipes in the ambient noise around you still like it just fucks your music up. So like I kind of just do one. Mm-hmm. So I, if I'm out walking or you know doing whatever like. I usually just have, or like at the store or whatever, I do one so I can still hear and talk to people and also still kind of says like, Hey, I'm not completely trying to shut the world out. Um, so here's my theory. Um, I think why they're doing it is they wear one while the others in the charging case charging. And then as soon as that is done charging, then they put that one in and charge the other one. So that way they could have their headphones in for like six hours or something. Yeah. Yeah. I've also done it for that reason as well. Well, thanks for sort of semi-clarifying that. Uh, you know what? I'll take that trend over the uh, pieces of shit, wa- like the current pieces of shit, um, walking around with just like a Beats pill, like blaring music out of it in public. Because if I had superpowers, I might just like shove it up their ass because <laughs> um, no one deserves to have like other people's shitty music inflicted on them. What's the, where's like the most annoying place that you've experienced that? Like, like public transit. Yeah. Public transit. Yeah. I experienced all the time in Hawaii too. Like, like of course at the beach, right? Everyone does at the beach, but like everyone, like to the point where it's like, how can I you- feel like that's okay. I feel like at the beach, you're, it's, I, I don't, uh, the, the beach, um, uh, like public parks, like big public parks and stuff. As long as you're like not being crazy about it, I feel like that's okay. But I feel like the people who do that are not being considerate. Like you might put it at a, a reasonable volume because you're a reasonable human being who has Thank like you. empathy for other people. Thank you. So these people don't do that. <laughs> I just, guys, what what is going through? These people must be. Nothing. That's uh, what. Yeah, they're blissed out. So, I mean, it's like. <laughs> just head empty. <laughs> yeah. It's like. Just, just marbles knocking around in there. Sam, what's a what, what's a like a musical genre that you just like you find loathsome that you just can't stand? Like it's just like um, fucking nails on a chalkboard to you. Because I'll tell you, mine's country music. Um, sure, Bobby, let's go with country. Let's go with pop country. Pop country. Yeah. Okay. Pop country. Someone's just blaring Toby Keith so loud you can't even hear your own music. Mm-hmm. Like would that would like I would just get up and move at the beach. See, that's what I'm saying is that I think it's a difference of volume. You guys, the closest I ever got to like um <laughs> murder. Um when I lived somewhere where my the window of my mess of my bedroom was like I'd say about twenty inches from someone else's backyard, uh, in which like they were blasting like um like uh top forties um but like of yes, like the the coast oh. kind of music. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But but where the bass just for so, like, and they had a, a brand new system, and the bass just like slapped. Um, it was it was horrendous. It was really really bad. And uh, I was uh, I got a. They were old, and that's the thing too. They were an old couple. And then one day, um, I uh, 
I came home and in the back there was a like a handwritten note that they wrote and I went to pick it up and looked at it and it just said fuck you. <laughs> right to the point. Cut to the chase. Yeah. I mean brevity is the soul of wit. So okay, we talked about music that we hate. Yeah. Why don't we talk about music that we don't hate? I'm into it. Thank you, Ori, for that for that tee up. Uh, today we are doing a love letter episode to '90s electronica. Uh, the listener can't see it, but we are all wearing Jenko jeans and Stussy shirts. Mm-hmm. Speak for yourself. I'm I'm hacky sacking over here. <laughs> I've got some samples of glass breaking on this uh, drum pad. So we're talking '90s electronica today. We're talking uh, the birth of electronic dance music. We're talking proto EDM music um, before your clubs and raves and what have you. And your days in Vegas. <laughs> uh, and your crystal methods. <laughs> yeah. And your uh, carnival's daisy. <laughs> uh, there was 90s electronica. So, uh, Ori. Um, so while, while Bobby and I were, were listening to... Um, Prodigy and, and Portishead and Massive Attack, uh, or you were listening to uh... a little baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was on uh, LimeWire looking for uh, the best MP, the highest quality MP3s. Oh yeah. In my defense, in my defense, I it's not that I'm a complete uh, newbie uh, on this. I know some of this stuff, but not as much as you guys. So I'm I'm happy to go along with uh, along the ride with you guys today and play dum dum awesome yeah what was the first mp3 you downloaded oh god do you remember for me it was uh it was a dr dre song (laughs) (laughs) oh what was it forgot about dre that's the one that was the first one i know i was gonna say yeah maybe it was like a an eminem album (laughs) mine was the way by fastball (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think i yeah 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 because i'm not buying the whole album no, 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 no. I just want the way. Yeah. I got that MP3 and I played it in Winamp and I was like, this is awesome. And then you're like, right click, change Winamp skin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Change Winamp skin again 20 minutes later. Did you feel like, um, did you feel like you were um, like on the cusp of something? Like, did you feel like you were like uh, uh, on this, like this new, new thing that like everyone was going to get on this train and the world was going to change? Um, I'll tell you how uh, I'll tell you when I th- thought I was cool um, was not necessarily when I was uh, downloading these like well-known um, well-known songs, but it was like the one remix that you couldn't find anywhere else. Mm, yeah, 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 yeah. And you were tracking it down and it took weeks. And then you finally found like the one, the one MP3 that didn't, that wasn't just like, first of all, like, <laughs> what was it they were like either completely mislabeled uh they were full of viruses or like they just like didn't work or something um and you just kind of had to like keep on like going through and going through each one until you finally found it yeah i think for me too is a lot of that too like uh trying to find stuff that just wasn't for sale like yeah game soundtracks or soundtracks for games that were imports mm-hmm. like i would be looking for things like i don't know I, for some reason, I'm a lunatic. I'm like, I want the Daytona USA music in Og Vorbis format. Um, <laughs> let's see if I can find that today. Do you remember like uh, one of your favorite things that you found? Uh, I had all of the music from like Streets of Rage. Oh, so good. Um, because I was like a teenager and couldn't afford like an $80, you know, like import of it from Japan. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so that was probably one of my prized possessions. And then now I am like, st- I still do that. I still get on that bullshit every once in a while. I think I have like everything that composer's done in like flack somewhere on a hard drive around here. So <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I found a orbital remix. That's like a 14 minute, like bonkers, weird ass remix of the box by orbital. I finally found it again on YouTube just a couple of years ago and I could not rip that shit fast enough. Mm-hmm. So I'll tell you what, like, it was really important, like, it was actually important for and like a big thing for, um, like, um, live music, like trading, like for, um, like communities of like people that like 
bootlegged and like traded like live music and stuff that that wouldn't you know of bands that either were upcoming or wouldn't you know didn't release like a lot of like official live music so yes back then i was a big dave matthews fan and so like back then like that's you you were able to get like all the live stuff yeah um you know and that was really cool was that that kind of big like uh like trading culture like um oh i've got you mm-hmm. know bonnaroo 92 if you've got oh totally yeah okay yeah, is that trading? And it was like right, all, almost like perfect demographic too. Like people that were the right age to be doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were te- technologically smart enough to even to use it and to even advance it like so that they can use it more and use it better, you know, for those things. I think it's cool. Yeah, I, I kind of missed you like, uh, like on the live stuff because you'd be like, oh, this band covered this song, but they only do it live because... Yeah, it's not going on an album. Um, so I used to like hunting down that stuff too and finding that. And I think it was fun. That was like a good era because I don't know. I feel like especially for like electronica, like there wasn't like the electronica station and it really just got kind of like maybe you'd hear some stuff like pop up on like K rock, you know, yeah. in like the Valley in California, like, you know, like sometimes you had to go to the internet, like you had to, find it somewhere online or download tracks or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, and like you had to have it introduced to you um, or you had to like randomly find it on. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one, um, uh, one of the earliest things that I found bootleg on the internet was a, um, <laughs> the beastie boys song body moving. It was a remix of that by Fatboy slim. And you know, again, this is the nineties, right? So Fatboy slim was, was big, <laughs> but um I heard that remix and I was like, it was another one of those, like, you know, uh, having your brain kind of broken in half and realizing that like, Oh shit, you can do some like really weird ass shit with, with like pretty straightforward songs. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's, uh, draw the veil and I'm going to transport you back to Bristol, England in the early 1900s. There's a, uh, thriving uh, hip hop scene. There's a thriving. Hang on. Yeah. The early 1900s. Did I say the early 1900s? You did. Excellent. I was like, I'm going with you. Okay. Okay. Early <laughs> 1900s. Okay. And then the thriving. I will be. <laughs> There's a thriving hip hop scene in the early 1900s. <laughs> yeah. Damn. In, in, like, in England. Yeah. Holy shit. It's like wealthy industrialists are like spitting bars. <laughs> All right. Instead, uh, I'm going to transport you back to Bristol, England, uh, in the early 1990s, um, where <laughs> um, there's a thriving hip hop scene, thriving club scene, <laughs> thriving drug scene. Um, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of DJs there that are like kind of starting up this this electronic scene. So this is after. Um, you know, hip hop is getting started in the U S drum machines are starting to take root and putting all of this kind of stuff together and making new forms of dance music and house and, um, electronic pop and everything. Um, and it all kind of starts in this one town, uh, this one city in, in England. And that is where we meet, (laughs) honestly, many of the bands that we're going to talk about today. The format for this episode is just a little bit different. Uh, we don't have a bracket today. We have, um, we're just going to talk about five big albums, five mainstay 90s electronica albums. Uh, at the end, we'll do a secret ballot and we'll rank uh, these five albums from first best, second best, and then the rest. And uh, we'll see, we'll see if we're uh, drift compatible again. Ori, Ori, I just have a question. Do you, like, do you, um, do you enjoy electronic? Like, do you like EDM? Do you like electronic? Or is like stuff that you're I into? Do. Any like stuff I, I that do. stands out for you of like any favorites? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Mortal Kombat song. Hell uh, yeah, yeah, dude. Um, <laughs> Derude Sandstorm. It was cool. Um, okay, I I have a confession. Um, I'm a big Prodigy fan, so the Fatherland uh was like I don't even know. Like it was a milestone uh of of uh, uh, in, in the art world, in my opinion. But even before that though, um, 
their prior the album before then i was a huge fan of i think it was music for the jilted generation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. um which was an import um and it's when we lived in israel and my older brother who's like nine years older than me listened to that stuff and so i was like 11 or 12 and i was like vibing to some fucking prodigy um back then so um yeah so i you know i i dig that stuff i just i think where uh edm kind of lost me is where it started to get into different like sub genres mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah I, I, it's hard to say like i think maybe like hip-hop may be another genre that's let just like there's a tree that expands out there's like this tree of life that just spawned subgenres yeah uh like l- like small fiefdoms of like <laughs> bizarre and like like or weird like different takes on like what this means well and like very specific identities too with like very like minor differences <laughs> so bobby you want to uh you want to just tell us what our five albums are today Yes, our five albums that we'll be discussing tonight is uh, Bjork uh, and her album Post. Then we've got Portishead, their um, debut album Dummy. We have uh, Daft Punk's debut album Homework. Then we've got the Chemical Brothers' Dig Your Own Hole and Massive Attack's Mezzanine. Oh. Which, uh, yeah, sorry. There's some, there's some real so bangers good. here. <laughs> yeah. Um, we picked these as kind of, uh, I think we all think that they are the pinnacle of the, um, of the scene that we're talking about here. Um, they're, uh, emblematic of basically 10 years of electronic music. Should we just get into it? Chemical brothers dig your own hole. Chemical Brothers' Dig Your Own Hole was released in April of 1997 on Astroworks Records. Um, It is the second studio album after Exit Planet Dust and before Surrender. Chemical Brothers is two DJs, uh, Tom Rollins and Ed Ed Simmons. Um, They are... Not brothers. (laughs) They are not brothers. Um, So it's like, first of all, it's it's great driving music. Um, It's great, like, uh, hanging out music, dance music. Um, One of the things that this album did, um, one of the reasons why it's on this list, is because dance music was always kind of like, it started out as like its own separate thing. Like electronic dance music was kind of like separate from from pop music or like even electro pop music. Um, But this album... Chemical Brothers in general is dance music. It's very much like strictly dance music, but like this was one of the first albums to like bring that massive like arena rock feeling and sentiment to to dance music. And like, you know, you could you could have this album on with a bunch of friends over, or you could go see the Chemical Brothers at a festival and watch them knock the fucking doors off the place. Um it's it also has at least for me, it has kind of like a um, complexity to it um, that you don't get in some of the other subgenres um, of EDM. Mm-hmm. It was dance music that you didn't have to dance to. Yeah, yeah. You can listen to it, and I think that's like a genius of them, right? To like have that crossover where you don't need to be on the dance floor. Yeah, to like to 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 be part of it or to have it you know affect you yeah this album too i think was also especially like um block rock and beats i think is when i feel like a big moment where these genres and this genre particularly like just pushed mainstream like really hard Mm -hmm. and where a lot of these other albums we're going to talk about and a lot of this other stuff may feels like a uh and other electronic albums feel like a like a, a rusty blade you know what I mean? Like it's meant to be like gritty and raw. Like this album is like a honed sword. Yes. And it is like mainstream and like it has that mainstream broad appeal while also still feeling like um, experimental and raw. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of people, like this is, this is like a perfect gateway drug album because it's not alienating. It's like, it's like, I dare you not to dance to this and then not want more of this. Uh, this was like on K-Rock, right? Yeah. Block Rock and Beats was, yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, I think although I think there's you know maybe some people out there who, who would say like the the double the double edge of that honed sword is that this did go mainstream, it did go commercial, like, and I mean literally like this was the song was in commercials yes. and used for trailers and used for like you know what I mean like it was the commoditization of the genre I feel like in a big way especially with a lot of Chemical Brothers tracks um I mean it was yeah knocking on the door to like a that's everywhere now but I think that was like a very early sign of this like breaking mainstream in a big way I say good for them good for them yeah yes uh, oh yeah no 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 uh no hate for selling it's not even selling out it's just like it's literally making money from your art and um I, I, is it safe to say that's a second best show stance? Like get the bag. Oh that's the, yeah. That's that is a second best show stance. You got to get it while the getting's good. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> what are some, uh, nineties brands that could sponsor us? PlayStation. That was a monster of a marketing machine in the nineties. What was the bookstore that was only in the mall? The nature company. <laughs> Walden books. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, yes. yes. This episode is sponsored by Walden Books. <laughs> Fine purveyor of books, Walden Books. Uh, Tower Records, I think, would be... Uh, oh, yeah, Tower Records. Yeah. Rest in peace, Tower Records. With the, with the long boxes, right, for the CDs? Uh-huh. I lost all, all of my virginities at, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. at Tower Records. Yeah. I'm, I uh, had a little bit of a ritual with a buddy of mine uh, working my very shitty jobs. Whenever I get paid, he and I would go to Tower Records, go to the electronic section and then just like crate dig and like find something yeah. that looked interesting. Cause that's all you really had to go on. And then he would buy something that we both looked like thought was interesting. And I would buy something. And then we would like swap, like rip those CDs on each other's computers. And that's how we just like amassed our like EDM collection. And I remember my pro tip was go for the stuff that's UK imports mm that were compilation mm-hmm. albums mm-hmm. and then branch off from there. If like there was one super hot track on there, you just go get that, that artist album like next week. You got to have a system. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I did not have a system and the amount of like just pure dollars that I flushed down the drain, Bobby, exactly like you're saying, like literally just going to the music store. And the only thing you had to go on was, um, was the cover and like the track listing and the label and, Yep. Oh man, how much money I fucking spent on that. Yeah. Uh, and then also too, like, uh, speaking of like, I don't know, downloading like internet downloads and Napster and LimeWare and all that stuff. I just feel like, um, I think I ended up buying more music because of that than I did like stealing it. Uh, no, that is an actual thing that happened. Yes. Uh, with the benefit of hindsight, um, this is a real, uh, thing. We'll put links in the show notes. Uh, people spent more money because they were able to actually, um, know what they enjoyed and know what they like. And, um, it turns out if somebody finds something that they like, they spend a lot of money buying it. This is like, uh, speaking of like the UK and stuff, this was like up and coming, like during like that, what I, I guess I refer to as like the like train spotting yeah. era. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just electronic music either. There was a lot of like, this was Oasis and Travis and a few other like really well-known. This was, this was a big time. One last thing I wanted to mention about Chemical Brothers. Um, one of the things that I really admire about their work, one of the things that I really like about this album is it showed how you could take, how you could really like work the sampler. Their sampling was intricate and complicated, but it didn't sound that way. Um, there are groups now like Girl Talk where, um, or even DJ Shadow, where like the entire body of work is samples and you're very, and you're very much aware of it. Um, whereas with Chemical Brothers, you, you feel like you're listening, you feel like you're listening to a song and that song is composed, but it's also composed of samples. And listening to this this album the past week, there's just like there's like um, electronica, there's hip hop, there's jazz, funk, mm-hmm. um, like and even like different like eras of hip hop, even in the same album. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's just a cacophony of like different genres and styles that encompass this album, and it's done to great effect. I have a breakdown of uh, some of the samples of. Black Rock and Beats, if you guys want to hear it. 
Yeah. Um, so these are two samples that uh, that make up the uh, first couple lines of block rock and beats. Um, so first you're going to hear um, first you're going to hear the Wells Gone Dry by the Crusaders from 1975, uh, which is kind of like a funk band similar to like Isaac Hayes and um, that world. Um, and then you're going to hear a vocal intro by Schooly D uh, from the song Gucci Again. I don't know if y'all heard about it or not, but Schooly D is back with another one of those block rocking beats. Buss it! Buss it! Buss it! Buss it! Buss it! So those are the two samples, and then um, those samples are uh, pitched and cut up, and you're going to hear how even that um, that Wells Gone Dry by the Crusaders, by you know that it gets really really cut up and messed around, and like they're really getting in there and doing some surgery. So they take very, very simple samples and that one bass sample that becomes the basis of the entire, the basis that becomes the center of the entire song, that, that heart of the entire song, um, really came from like a very, very simple sample that they just cut to hell. Um, and like I said, did kind of like open heart surgery on it. Um, and you would never know it. It's just, it's, it's Mm -hmm. something that they did to create the track and, it's just it's done expertly. Yeah, man, that that gets off to a great start. That that song like grabs you by the fucking shoulders yeah. with that bass line. <laughs> I think it's a talent to take something like that and just convert it and shape it into something brand new, like a like a whole new thing. Like, yeah. just I mean, I, you know, we say sample it like it's a you know it's just a thing, but I don't know how to explain it. It's like it's like taking a a bunch of like paintings and cutting them all up and, and putting them back together to create a completely brand new painting. Right. It's, it's right. Well, and like to, to torture that metaphor, like nobody, it's not paint by numbers. Like nobody gave them these samples and said like, here's what you need to do. Like, uh, you know, here's how to construct a song or like take these five samples and stuff. They had to like, just like conjure that out of nothingness. Um, which I think is, is that's crazy. An insane. Yeah. That's crazy. That imagine it's, it's that imagination of yes. Just, how do you? I don't even. How, I, That's a perfect word for it. Yeah, uh, Bobby. What are some of the tracks that you love on Dig Your Own Hole? Obviously, Block Rock and Beats. Uh, I think that one also sort of like I don't know. That one went like through the stratosphere. So, uh, Setting Sun and Where Do I Begin are also uh, a couple of tracks off there that I really dig. What about you? Um, I am a huge fan of lost on the K hole. It starts as kind of like this really like standard straight ahead dance track. Um, and by the end of it, um, I mean, not only is it just like super funky, but, um, it's also just weird as fuck. And I love it. Next up, we got a little bit of a, uh, we've like, we got off to like a real, uh, dancey start high energy. Now we're going to like cool it down just a little bit with massive attacks mezzanine. Uh, Massive Attacks Mezzanine was released on April 20th, 1998 on Virgin Records. It is the third studio album from Massive Attack after Protection, which is fucking ace, and before 100th Window, which is a record that they did. (laughs) Uh, Massive Attack is uh, Robert Tilnaha, Grant Marshall, and Andrew Vowles. I mean, this is another, speaking of sampling, this is another album that um, it samples like the, The Cure, Isaac Hayes, Velvet Underground, um, genre hops all over the place um and uh i don't know about you bobby but this album makes me sad <laughs> this is a, this is an album that you listen to uh when you're sad or angry it's kind of like as melancholy as brooding and at least for me i get that like 
claustrophobic feeling if if like i feel like i'm underwater when i'm listening to this album yeah yeah there there's a there's a track uh off this album called black milk <laughs> and i think that is a perfect description for this album yes. in its entirety yes it feels like you are being dipped in that um <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I know. I feel like a good, uh, you know, it's a good post breakup album. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you really want to get dark and brooding, mm-hmm. you know, this is a this is a good uh, time to introduce one character that we're going to keep on hearing about uh, through a lot of these, um, which is Tricky, um, the artist Tricky. Um, I feel like if anyone personifies like weird art nineties. It's tricky. Um, he just kind of like floated in and out of like a bunch of electronic projects. He released his own solo albums, um, a couple of them. Um, he did like um, he did some art. He did some movies. He was actually in The Fifth Element. Nice. <laughs> yeah, he was the right hand man. Right arm was his name. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he uh, he has a few features on this album um and he's a very very specific voice it's kind of like a um like a gravelly sort of um you would you his voice sounds like it is digitally altered it's an it is just kind of like an otherworldly type of voice it's a little tricky to describe anyways um this is my lockout this is your lockout oh nice what do you what do you like about it or oh I, I i i gravitate towards like sad music anyways um and like and 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 ethereal and and like and that's just kind of personifies that um to me and i think it almost like came out during that when did it come out again 1998 okay yeah okay this is what i was gonna say it came out during this like what i like this sweet spot of like i think okay computer came out in 1998 or maybe that was 95 okay or 97 or something like that it was right around those times and i think that they actually influenced i read that those two like either mezzanine influenced okay computer or vice versa in some ways it puts me back in that in that time and in that space yeah i think it strikes us like um this beautiful balance between um being ethereal with like a hard fucking edge yeah. and i don't know how you achieve both of those things like but it's not like um you know i I'll, i usually sometimes don't like uh some electronic music where i feel like it's sort of just meandering or um self-indulgent in like these little uh, like loops or samples right and it just kind of like this is just Oh, Sam loves that shit. I, I was just gonna say, Bobby, just say Boards of Canada. <laughs> I do sometimes. This song is this song is called Triangle. This song is called Square. I know it's so funny because like I always give Ori shit saying that he likes jam bands, and I don't know even know if that's true or not. But like then I go and listen to like tracks that are like Sine Wave, the song. Yeah, like Godspeed You Black Emperor, where it's like 19 minute songs. The first song on the album, Angel like Bobby said, just goes real fucking hard um, and um, kind of stabbed you in the heart. And like, it's, it's real intense and everything. Um, and then there's songs later. I don't know. I think, I don't know about stabs. I'd say it fucking impaled. <laughs> like that first track is so good. That's some, that's some, uh, some primo zombie killing music right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like uh, dissolved girl and black milk and, um, and the, title track mezzanine they're like a little less they're kind of more laid back and they have um kind of like they have those like reggae vocals by horace andy and and then you have like another uh a third direction with teardrop with elizabeth fraser's vocals where it's just kind of like this really pretty song but see they they all feel even though you're right i would say that this is what makes it so good is that they all sound like they were incepted in the, in the same like universe that they've created in this album. Right. You think there's a through line that, that kind of like connects everything. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, yeah, exactly. I think what you're saying is spot on, but what I, what I guess what I'm saying is they're all kind of wrapped up in a, in a, they're all trapped together in, in a space station. (laughs) I don't know how to say it. 
Bobby, are there any uh, tracks that that you love on this album? You actually hit them in order. <laughs> you Angel, Dissolved Girl, oh, Dissolved Girl is so fucking good, and Black Milk. I mean, honestly, top to bottom, this thing, this album is incredible. But yeah, those are just some like standout ones that like I I don't know I obsess over stuff, and those are just some tracks that I would just like listen to on repeat. What's what's next, Bobby? Uh, next up, we're talking about uh one of my favorite artists, one of my favorite albums, Bjork's Post. Oh boy, buckle in. Underscore artist. This is the most I think so far the most artisty artist that we've talked about. Yeah. Post uh, was released on June 7th, 1995 uh, on One Little Indian Records. It is the second studio album after debut and before Homogenic. I'm just going to come right out the gate and say that this opens with one of the best one-two punches on any album fucking ever, Army and Me and Hyper Ballad. It is a confident, like, I am going to show my entire ass here uh, on this album, and you are going to love it. It's like a once-in-a-generation once type one-two punch. The music itself is really aggressive, but, like, her voice is so powerful. What? Yeah, what? Let's talk about her voice. What is it about her voice where it's just like, it's a, it's like a nerve cut open, isn't it? Yeah, I think honestly, I think it's just a huge Bjork stand here. So I, 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 I fully tell me if I'm up my own ass because um, oh, I'm up your ass too, buddy. We're we're all there. There's no like bigger, there's no bigger defender of Bjork than me. Um, she's just fucking fearless. Yeah, and I think she's that way in her like singing style and her voice. Like she can just fucking belt. And yeah, I think especially with like her art and even the videos, there's just like a, uh, a fearlessness. Yeah. She's like a true fucking artist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, uh, speaking to that and I don't know, just like her artistry, her fearlessness, you go the one, two punch of army, me hyper ballad, uh, and then to like track four, it's oh so quiet. Yeah. Which is like a jazz. It's actually, yeah, it's a cover of a 1951 Betty Hutton B side. Yeah. And that, but then like Bjorkified. Yes. Bjork, 100% Bjorkified. She's like, I don't know, like the, the musical equivalent of like going super Saiyan, <laughs> like, uh, just screaming. Like just, I, there's a, just this raw power. I don't know. Like her, it's over 9,000. Um, <laughs> It, I love this video. There's a video directed by Spike Jones yes. uh, for this track. It's also oh quiet. Listen to it. Watch that video. All videos in the in the mid '90s were directed by Spike Jones. I think. I think that's a fact. Yeah, probably so. And the ones that weren't were directed by Michelle Gondry. Mm-hmm. Or Chris Cunningham. Or, or, or yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think you you asked what is it about her voice. Um, so she's got I don't know that 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 Icelandic kind of raw rawness but also like where when a lot of like artists uh, for some reason um they just they 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 feel so um at once like intimate mm -hmm. and um wounded um but also very um rageful like there's a lot of rage so they can channel both of those extremes really well And it's and it's in a way that's so relatable and accessible. We were like, yeah, that that's how I feel. Yes, that. Yeah, emo before emo, baby. Um, this album has uh, has tricky rears his head once again on two two different tracks here. Nice. He's like a whack a mole. Is this an electro? Okay, can we just real quick let, let, before we move on? Do you would you guys classify this as a because it's so eclectic? Is this an electronic album? Like, is this even? 
Yeah, because I, I I feel like there's there's some electronic albums with some uh, some uh, out, maybe a little out of character, but welcome like swerves off the road. Like you take a pit stop into jazz standards, and then you swerve right back, uh, and you're right back into sort of this like down tempo electronica kind of album, and yeah, and then you're kind of right back into it like at like possibly maybe, which is like one of just the loop on that track I find um, it is like audible morphine. <laughs> uh, I find it so soothing. That's a great song. That's a great song name. They, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I used to listen to just like leave MTV on at night. And one of the interstitials that they would play when they just played music in the middle of the night uh, was that one cut from possibly maybe that one little looping sample. And I would hear it when I was sleeping or half asleep or getting up. And then now in my brain, when I hear it, I just feel like I get that loop, that one little loop and there's like Bjork's voice. And I just like, she's just put like, she's giving me my own, like this lullaby and it's just perfection. And it's beautiful. Do you just hard crash wherever you are? Like you're standing in line somewhere and you just like collapse. Mm-hmm. It is like the anti panic attack. It is so nice. Yeah. The anti-panic attack. Yeah. Oh, oh God. It's like, uh, yeah, like Xanax, the, the song. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have, uh, we're going back to Trip Hop Land uh, in this amusement park of Electronica. We've got Portishead, their album Dummy. Oh, can't anybody see Uh, let's see. So, uh, Dummy was released on August 22nd, 1994 on Go Beat Records. It is the debut album from Portishead. Um, Portishead is Beth Gibbons, Jeff Barrow, and Adrian Utley. They have an interesting chemistry. Uh, Beth Gibbons and Jeff Barrow met originally. Jeff Barrow is kind of like a, um, Jeff Barrow is the DJ. Um, he does the DJ, uh, duties for for porter's head um and dj duty dj duty that's the Uh, name that's my dj name (laughs) he and beth gibbons uh met at a unemployment line um in Mm. um in bristol and uh adrian utley is a kind of like a um he's more traditional instrumentalist um and so between the three of them they kind of like triangulate this really interesting chemistry of uh, live instrumentation, um, uh, break beats, uh, the like DJ sound and, um, some very haunting vocals. Uh, menacing even. All right. I'll go with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. I think if like, uh, there could be a horror genre for music, uh, I think trip hop definitely encompasses that part where it's definitely playing on like anxiety and fear not in like a bad way or like Mm -hmm. like triggers that for you Uh, the band has talked in the past about how um they owe a lot of their sound to hip-hop um and you know even though their um their sound is not very aggressive it's not it's it's definitely not hip-hop um but they kind of like stand on the shoulders of 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 hip-hop and rap before it for sure yeah yeah, I think uh yeah, you feel like a lot of that hip hop influence as well as um I think maybe even like like psychedelia, you know? Um yeah, there is and and what like one thing that I think that Portishead does really well is they're not afraid to let a song breathe or let a sound like breathe um and kind of make you like let you feel uncomfortable for a little bit. Um like or you're talking about like the 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 navel gazing, the shoe gazing where like there's songs on dummy where they, they maybe go like an, an extra phrase or two mm-hmm. just to, just to let like you kind of swim in that sound and like swim in it for a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and they also don't pack. They're not maximalists, meaning they're not, they're not packing all the audio space 
with shit to li- to like to keep your ears busy. Yes. You know what I mean? Like like yeah. you can actually almost visualize the space between the instruments. Like you can feel it. Um and there's other and, and I'm not saying that being a maximalist is bad because there's a lot of bands one one of my favorite bands does that. Um um but uh but yeah, so uh, that's where I was coming from with the whole shoegaze comment is is they do kind of like do that they leave the space there which i can appreciate portis head also does a lot of great sampling and i have another sample breakdown if you guys want to hear it yeah let's hear it yeah all right so let's talk about a sample from from dummy um one of the a plus tracks on here is glory box um it is the a plus song on an a plus album mm-hmm i'm going to use this as an excuse to talk about how portis head would kind of uh incorporate samples into their into their songs um so what would usually happen is the dj um jeff barrow he would find um he would find a sample from uh anywhere in the last hundred years any genre or anything he would take that sample he would either replicate it um or he would take that take the actual sample and augment it with like live drums to add more kick and snare and then he would take that record it to tape um, to make it feel more analog and then take that and press it to vinyl to be played live, which is so much work, but you feel the difference. Yeah. I feel like this band owes a lot to the vinyl scratch, like the, like the, yeah, the like residents of that, like needle on vinyl. Like, yeah. (laughs) So the main, uh, the, the main sample from glory box is, um, from Isaac Hayes, uh, from Isaac Hayes's album, Black Moses. It's a, it's just an interstitial track called Ike's Rap 2, uh, from 1971. I abused you. I took advantage of you. I used you selfishly. The sample uh, after that has been uh, pitch corrected, um, augmented with drums, and it'll sound like it's uh, like it sounds on a vinyl. So, I mean, it's already Isaac Hayes. So, like, it's already funky as hell. But what they did, you know, they added, like, a lot more bottom to it, um, a lot more bass, and slowed it down a little bit. You know, again, just letting it breathe. Um, And then uh, Beth Gibbons does her vocals on top of it. It's pretty incredible. Like chef's kiss. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Hey, guys, guess who's featured on this album? Tricky. Tricky. Tricky actually uh, came out with an album two months after this album came out that also used the same sample uh, by Isaac Hayes. And that's awkward. <laughs> that uh, that dinner, that family dinner was awkward. <laughs> Bobby, you got any favorite songs on this album? Oh boy, what isn't a hot track off of this one? Um, this whole album's a fucking vibe, but I think it's like Wandering Star. Oh yeah. I love Biscuit. And Glory Box. Um, another random one you should listen to is not on this album is uh, Only You by Portishead, which I think is another absolutely solid track. Yes. Um, I'm a huge fan of the, fan of the ones that you uh, you mentioned. I also really like Sour Times. Um, it's very funky um, when they play it live. Uh, there's two <laughs> there's two entire drum kits uh, playing. And that's just that's so extra. I, I, I'm into it. <laughs> I love that shit. This artist needs no introduction. It is Daft Punk and their debut album, Homework. French. French. <laughs> yes, French. And they have the best names ever. They are Thomas Bengalter and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo. Really? That's so funny. Yes. That's, uh, that's, my, uh, that's, my, that's my nighttime name.
Homework was released on January 20th, 1997 on Virgin Records. It was their debut album, and boy is it an album. Uh, This album has so many tracks, and it's just like a great collection of singles. Like, we talked before about, like, how, you know, um, Post is kind of like this experimental, you know, some of the other albums in this list are experimental or or um, concept albums or, like, entire um, labors of love. And Homework kind of feels like a little bit of a pressure valve release from that um, and is just, it's an album of, of bangers. truly truly it is like i dare you not to like get up and shake your ass like (laughs) uh umbridge card just one slight personal umbridge card for any albums that are over uh 11 or 12 tracks um are a problem to me that's all and this album contains a whopping 16 i usually agree with you but i feel like on this one i have to say like show me a song that should be taken off of this album. Cause I can't like, usually I can tell you like, okay, that's, that's, that's some, some filler and shouldn't be on there. I'll tell you what, uh, what I will say, my, my only umbrage card with this album is uh, around the world should be like three minutes. Uh, they should like cut three minutes off of it. Cause we go around the world one too many times and I fucking love that track, but it is too fucking long. It's, it's over seven minutes. Yeah, so that's why, uh, dear audience, if you do listen to Around the World, listen to the fucking radio edit, because the radio edit respects your time. Uh, and I find seven minutes, it goes from a banger to being kind of grating. There, there's no shame in listening to the radio edit. <laughs> this one, I feel like, too, was another big another uh, big album for the genre. Yeah, you're right. This had two singles right around the world around the world i know revolution 909 i think was that revolution oh revolution yeah so three singles yeah 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 defunk is a long long songs the hot fucking jam um which was also in a gap commercial Mm. defunk also i think i when now when i listen to it and i listen back to it i think you hear a lot of what daft punk becomes yes like you hear a lot of that future Mm -hmm. sound that like future funk like vibe that they like i feel like that track represents their future and some of the stuff i'm not going to say it's 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 not i still think it's above average but a lot of it is you know great fucking edm dance music and house music but this is really like i think informs like their identity as a group oh man you're totally right that um uh it's it's kind of forecasting like what they're going to sound like later and then like nothing makes me happier than an, than a band that has like a one two punch of like one album then another like equally solid if not better album right after it and discovery was so good <laughs> so you have like yeah. if you listen to this album and then you listen to discovery right after it um that's a, that's a good afternoon boys yeah yeah and also too, I feel like this like defunct especially like like that could be on human after all it could be yeah. on discovery it could be you know, um, but like, because it, it, it's just yeah, it's just so indicative of like their sound and their yeah yeah. None of these songs really challenge you, and uh, like, and I, the reason I say that is because some of the other albums that we've talked about, they're really intense and they're and they're, they're like very like emotional and melancholy and stuff, and and this album doesn't really challenge you in that same way. There's some intensity there, but. And there's definitely like seriousness. It's not, it's not a, um, a light album, but, um, you, you could just, you could, you could dance to this. It's a, it's a dance album. This is like a straight up dance album. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a, it's a marathon dance album because it's 73 minutes long. Uh, so those are our five albums. Um, and we're going to talk about our number one lockouts and, and do our secret ballots. Uh, what, uh, what'd you lock out tonight? Yeah, Bobby, my lockout is DJ Shadow's debut album, Introducing. We've already talked a lot about, um, the importance of, or kind of like the, the renaissance of sampling and, uh, DJ culture that was happening around this time. This album is very emblematic of that movement. Uh, on this album, at least, um, DJ Shadow doesn't really try and hide the fact that this is all samples. Like he's kind of showing off. Um, he's, he's 
uh, it's it's like a collage. It's like a cut and paste kind of hip hop scrapbook. <laughs> it's definitely like a big beat record. Um, it's very, very close to hip hop. Maybe if not, I would call it a hip hop record. Um, Midnight in a Perfect World is on that album. And it is. That's a vibe. I I feel like so much of the stuff I hear today, especially like, I don't know, uh, out of like sample and breakbeat artists and culture, like I think everyone's still kind of like chasing this dragon. And I think there's a couple outliers to like Thievery Corporation and um, who else to say? Um, Not in this time frame, like Jay Dilla and stuff too. Like there's some other people who are just like, like masters of like the sample and stuff. Um, But I feel like this is the um, standard bearer for this genre um all right bobby what was your number one lockout so my number one lockout was uh the prodigy fat of the land um while i do uh i do like music for the jilted generation i feel like um fat of the land just it's what kind of made me just as like avid consumer of electronic music and and it was like so raw and and it had just like I think front to back that album is just perfection and there's so much energy and life to it. And uh, yeah, it's got like a lot of the elements like we talked about tonight, like drum and bass, like trying to like hip hop and like, there's so many different influences mm-hmm. into it. And I feel like when you hear a prodigy song, like you just know, like you're like, Oh, like it has a, yeah, I'm this, nodding my head emphatically, like identifiable, world like this identifiable like soundscape that they've built that's their own i used to put that album on when i played any sort of racing video games (laughs) (laughs) yeah i would just put Uh headphones on and just like just go to town yeah Uh on that album yeah and i feel like there's a there's like a there's like a rebellious like punkness to it too it is yeah that it's just like totally totally album is just like saying like fuck you like i don't know there's just there's a uh defiant nature to it and i think that's why i love stuff that has like teeth uh no you're right it's it it has like a chaotic energy to it like it like a just a raw like teenage energy kind of vibe to it one thing that i think this album does really well that is Hard to pull off with an electronic with an electronic album, especially in 1997, is that it feels DIY, where a lot of stuff that is like mm. um, drum machines and samples, and um, you know, it's all like synced up, right? <laughs> it's it, it's automatically like on time and stuff, and um, this feels like it feels like it's uh, messy. Yeah, it's like a arts and crafts project. Yeah, and it feels messy and urgent, and yeah, yeah, and it, yeah, urgent. It feels it feels in your face. It yeah. feels um, cars uh, going down the highway and parts are coming off the car, and as yeah. as you're going, yeah. All right, so we got mezzanine, massive attack. We've got uh, prodigy, fat of the land, and we've got DJ Shadow introducing. I guess it's time. For us to rank, let's do it. So I'm going to do this uh, as we did it before. We'll harken back to our uh, Mario Brothers episode, where we are going to rank these albums individually and then compare them, see how yep. see how they stock up against each other's tastes. All right. So we got uh, so we're we're doing two through six basically, right? Because we got our number one lockouts. So the top of our list is going to be the second best. Yep. Hope you are enjoying this very special episode of The Second Best Show. I know we certainly enjoy having you here. If you'd like to help the show, go to dippers.restaurant. Yep, that's the real site, dippers.restaurant, and rate the show. It helps get this show in front of new friends. And again, that URL is dippers.restaurant. And thank you so much for listening. All right, here we go. Someone do a, a countdown. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Ooh, okay. Interesting. All right, so we got uh, we got some variations finally. All right. We're drift compatible-ish.
Uh, let's see. Ori, why don't you go first? Why don't you tell us about your list? All right. My list starts with, as I mentioned before, Massive Attack, Mezzanine is my number one. Uh, number mm-hmm. two is Bjork, Post. Number three, Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole, even though I wrote Dog Your Own Hole. Number four, Portishead, <laughs> Dummy, and five, uh, Daft Punk, Homework, because no album should be 16 tracks at 74 minutes long. <laughs> Uh, I think you, you take weird stands on shit that I love. I think I, I'll always remember I once uh, we were, I don't know, we were partying or something. And you were like, you went on this rant about oh. fading out songs. Oh, uh, and you were yeah. like, fuck you. If you fade out a song, fuck you. And your yeah, fucking yes, shit. Just yes, yes, it. write an yeah. ending to your song. It's like, it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be bad. Yep. It just has to fucking end. Just, don't fade just, your shit out. Just end it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> It's not that difficult. It's like yes, it's a coward's move. Find an end. Find an ending for your song. Do the phrase a couple times, and then and then end done. it when it like then on the next the go around. Like it's like not what if that you were hard. watching SNL and a sketch like faded out, like they were still doing dialogue, but they couldn't figure out where to end it, so they just like faded out. They should do that. Oh, yeah. they should do that with some of them. <laughs> Uh, or like you're reading a book and the and the words just get smaller and smaller and smaller. <laughs> get smaller and smaller. <laughs> it's the same thing. Just yeah. so it's the same yeah. thing. And your fuck and your fucking song. And your fucking song. I know that it's gonna go on longer live. You don't need to tell me that or or like in the recorded version, the studio version. End that shit. End that shit. Sam, what's your list? Uh, my list. Uh, number one, Bjork. Post. Number two, Dummy. Number three, Mezzanine. Number four, Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole. And number five, Daft Punk, Homework. Bobby, what's your list? So it goes Bjork, Post, Massive massive Attack, I can't speak anymore, Mezzanine, uh, Daft Punk's Homework, then Portishead, Dummy, and then uh, finishing off the list is Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole. I'm a little upset that you put uh, Daft Punk above Portishead, but I'll survive. I'll tell you what. Um, when I listen to that album now, um, I find myself wanting. Uh, man, this is such an insult, but uh, I find myself wanting like an instrumental version of that. Oof. Um, not that the vocals aren't incredible, but it's it's hard for me to kind of. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I want the vibe without the vocals i'm not saying it's bad it's just i think uh too much listening to it i find it like a little grating after a while i'm with you bobby uh so i think also too i don't know i was expecting umbrage for chemical brothers being last on my list but um i think it's an incredible album but i think it's kind of what became the like everybody sort of aped that sound and that became like what commercial electronica was and that's not the fault of the chemical brothers but it means that like it sort of retroactively sort of makes me feel like i've heard this a lot already okay cool i i don't have any umbrage sam we are both uh drift compatible on daft punk yeah why is your why is daft punk last for you i i i I told you why it's last for me (laughs) (laughs) um it's last on my list only because everything else is better um, not because that's bad in any way, but, um, it's a straight ahead dance album and it is one of the best. Um, but I just like the other stuff that we talked about better. Uh, so I don't want to spoil the ending here, but are we in agreement that, uh, post by Bjork is the second best? We are. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's the consensus yep. here. Yep. All right. We did it guys. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, another uh, love letter in our uh, in our love letter series, the second best love letter series. Absolutely, we did it. Play us out of here. If you agree or disagree with any of our picks, let us know at Second Best Show. You can also find past episodes, bonuses, and extras at thesecondbestshow.com. And please remember to rate the show at dippers.restaurant it helps us extend our reach and get new listeners we appreciate it bye i used to check out lyrics upon the format filled with skill with technique computer ADAT my lyrical form is clouds on your brainstorm I get hype think thought flow aqua back sink the track pump the track dance missions clubs like
Yeah, mine goes uh, Bjork, Post, uh, Huge Borkstein, <laughs> Bork, 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 he said Borkstein, Borkstein, Borkstein. <laughs> that's my last name, Robert Porkstein. <laughs> that's going to be my new username. <laughs> oh, okay, you just, you just fucking. You did yeah. it. You did it, Bobby. You did it. You did uh, it. Yeah. I did it. <laughs> Bobby Borgstein. I broke it. I broke the seal. Somebody had to. Bobby Borgstein. <laughs> <laughs>